Romans chapter number 10, and we're just going to jump right into this today. I know we've taken time for other things today, and because of that, we're a little behind schedule. Listen, we don't have a Sunday night service, and so I hope that you'll give me just a little bit of grace today. Uh, we, I know this is Mother's Day, but boy, we need the Word, don't we? We need the Word, and so just for, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll make you a promise. I'll do my best to try to make this just as quick as possible, but... Uh, I believe God's given me a very special message for us this morning, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was heading a totally different direction, and later, a little later in the week, God began to really uh, work on my heart concerning this message, and so uh, this doesn't seem like, by the title, this doesn't seem like a Mother's Day message, but this is actually more of a Mother's Day message than you can imagine, and I believe you'll understand that here in just a little bit. Roman, Romans chapter 10 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, why don't we stand one last time out of respect for the reading of God's Word and give you a chance to stretch your legs and, uh, while we read the Scripture, and then we'll jump right into this. Now, uh, as we pray, keep your Bibles open because we're going to turn in our Bibles uh, maybe a few more places than we normally would on a Sunday morning. And so Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, very familiar Scripture we're going to read here this morning. The Bible says in verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And notice the next few verses. The Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You may be seated this morning, and let's go to the Lord in prayer together very quickly, and we're going to jump right into this Bible study this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for a phenomenal service. Thank you for the good spirit that's here today. Lord, what a great crowd. We thank you for that. Father, if we're going to do this thing, we might as well do it big. And so, Father, we're thankful that you're blessing, you're still building your church in 2023. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you might continue to do that. Lord, parking's not a problem for you. Buildings are not a problem for you. Lord, you're able to provide all of that. So we're gonna trust you with that. But we pray that, that you would bless and that you would make a way. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful to continue preaching the word of God and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless our discussion this morning. I pray it'll be a help. I pray it will honor you. And I pray it will be a blessing to all of our folks today. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. It's vital. It's vital. And again, I want to emphasize that first part. It is vital that we expose people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they hear the gospel, now listen to this, as they hear the gospel, they are then going to understand their need for Jesus Christ. 
look back uh, at our scripture that we read just a moment ago, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and then it says this, and hearing by the word of God. And so it's very important that we proclaim the word of God, that we, that we preach the gospel. Back up a couple verses and look at verse 15. Uh, the Bible says, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So again, it's vital that we expose people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they hear the gospel, they're gonna understand their need for Jesus. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. And boy, we know folks, don't we, that don't know God. We work with people who don't know God. We go to school with people who don't know God. We attend college classes with people who don't know God. We live in neighborhoods with people who don't know God. And the Bible says the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so it is vital that we expose people to the gospel and as they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they understand their need for Christ, their desperate need for Christ. By the way, church, that's exactly why, thank God, we're a mission-minded church. And that's why we have missionaries in. And that's why we're constantly and continuously supporting missionaries. Uh, uh, not where we used to be, but not where we want to be. We want to continue to support missionaries and put missionaries on the field. Now, we just recently had... Uh, we just recently had the Williams family go into the country or the islands of the Philippines. And somebody says, Pastor, what's the big deal? Why continue to have missionaries in? And, uh, and I mean, Pastor, we're already supporting many missionaries. Why is it, is it important that we continue to support missionaries and send them around the world? Because when people are exposed to the gospel, they understand their desperate need of a savior. And so it's important that we continue to send missionaries around the world. Now, let me show you a great example of this today, if I could. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to uh, Acts chapter 8. I'm hesitant about giving you this, but I believe it's important. And I believe it's important that you see the Scripture and see where I'm going with this. Again, it's important, it's vital that we share the gospel, that we share the gospel. And when people hear the gospel, they understand their need of a Savior. We see that portrayed in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 27. This is the story, of course, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, there's a great revival going on in Samaria. God calls Philip, the evangelist, away from that revival down to the wilderness, down to the desert, to really minister to one man. But look what happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 27. The Bible says, and he arose and went. That's talking about Philip. Philip arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, notice this, and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. This was a powerful man. That's what he's saying. Verse 28, about this Ethiopian eunuch, he was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which you read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, talking about the Lord. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. 
In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Look at verse 35. The Bible says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And, he, and, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, what's going on? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. This Ethiopian eunuch, this powerful man, was exposed to the gospel. Now, he was lost. He was seeking. He was looking for the Lord, but he not yet found the Lord. The Bible says he travels many, many miles from the country of Ethiopia, comes all the way to Jerusalem for Passover. And while he's in Jerusalem, more than likely, he buys a copy, purchases a copy of the book of Isaiah. He's reading the book of Isaiah, and the Bible says it. The Holy Spirit of God sends Philip uh, to intersect with this Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, he's reading the book of Isaiah, but he doesn't quite understand it. And the Bible says that Philip preaches the gospel to him, and this Ethiopian eunuch comes to know the Lord as his personal Savior. Now, again, I, I'm trying to make a point that if we share the gospel, if we share the gospel, you know what happens? It shows people their need, their desperate need. Just say, preacher, why do you put that word in there? Because it's desperate. Desperate. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. There's nothing that you can do. In fact, that same prophet, the prophet Isaiah said it like this, that our righteousnesses, those good works that we do, those things that we try to do that are good, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. We must have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, how do people know that? They've got to hear the gospel. Amen. Now, with that said this morning, I want to give you... I want to give you a few thoughts, and I'll do this quick. I'm trying my best to preach quick for you here this morning. But number one, I'm going to say this. Make sure your home, listen to me now, make sure your home has a gospel climate. Make sure your home has a gospel climate. Now you say, Pastor, I don't even understand. What, what does that mean? I'm going to explain it to you. Isn't it amazing how, how interested we are in creating a good climate in our home, a physical climate? Did you know we'll spend five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars on an HVA system to make sure that our climate is controlled in our house, to make sure that we have little humidity, and to make sure we have cooling when we want cooling, and we have heat when we don't when we want heat. Sometimes, you know what? You'll even do this. You'll install uh, these uh, new thermostats that are Wi-Fi. You can control them with your phone. You don't even have to wait till you get home to cut the air down. You can do it with your phone before you ever get there. And we go to great odds to make sure that our physical climate is controlled in our homes. But isn't it sad that although we'll put great emphasis upon that, little homes, very, very few homes, have a gospel climate. And that's where the emphasis needs to be placed. The gospel ought to be in your home. You ought to have an environment of the gospel in your home. Now, I'm going to show you some scripture this morning. Take your Bibles and turn back to your Old Testament. And I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter number 6 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in Deuteronomy 6, we find a strong, strong admonition to the home. Deuteronomy chapter 6 
And look, if you will, at verse number, uh, verse number four. Deuteronomy 6, verse number four. Right toward the front of your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number four. Look how God challenges his people. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in, where are they supposed to be? In thine heart. But look closely, verse seven, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You know what God is saying here to us? Very, very important. He's saying that our homes, our homes ought to have a climate of godliness. Our homes ought to have a gospel climate. In other words, in other words, your kids, listen, they ought to understand the gospel. Now, listen to me. Did you know primarily, primarily, it is not the job of your pastor to preach the gospel to your kids. Now, I'm going to do it, and I promise you this. If you'll bring them here, I'll preach Jesus. I'll promise you that. Listen, I don't know a lot, but I know this. Our hope's not in the Republican Party, and our hope's definitely not in the Democratic Party. And our hope's not independent or moderate or anything else. I'm telling you, our hope's in Jesus Christ. Are you listening? Listen, I'm telling you, our hope's in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, what's your deal? What are you? I mean, what, what, you know, what, what's, what's wrong with you? You're a nut, man. You're just a nut. Listen, I might be a nut, but hallelujah, I'm screwed on to the right bowl this morning. And I've come to understand something, that our hope is not in Washington. And our hope is not in the Capitol building. And our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is in the church house. Because it's at the church house where we're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed. And that's what changes lives. Hey, we ought to have a gospel climate in our home. Now, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Glad you asked. How about this? Number one, talk about the Lord in your home. So I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus ever the topic of discussion around your home? Do your kids hear you talking about Jesus? Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is he. The Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Hey, is Jesus a topic in your home? No, I'm serious. We say the Atlanta Braves are, yeah. LA Dodgers are, yeah. Carolina Panthers are, got it. These famous movie stars, isn't it a shame that a lot of kids know all the famous movie stars and the celebrities and the sports figures and the batting averages and, and the yardage and all these things, and yet, and yet, our homes are gospel anemic. Hey, talk about the Lord in your home. Listen, do your kids hear you talk about the Lord? Do your grandkids hear you talk about the Lord? My little mama uh, is, uh, is 89 years old, and I appreciate uh, all of you dear folks that have went by and, and brought meals to mom and dad and, and visited with them, and, and uh, you pray for my little mama this morning. But I'm just going to tell you, back in the day when uh, we were coming up, and I had a brother and three sisters, and when we were coming up, man, we'd go run to mom about something. I can guarantee you this. 
that little lady would always give us a Bible answer. In fact, there were some times when we'd go to mom and we'd say, mama, what about this? And she'd start quoting the Bible. I mean, like, mama, I don't want to know what the Bible says. I want to, and, and, but you know what? That's how she answered. She was constantly talking about the Lord. She was constantly talking about the Bible. No, I want to tell you something. Did you know that God is pleased when we talk about him? Listen to Malachi chapter three, verse 16. And they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Listen, did you know that God is honored when we talk about it? I'm not saying you have to be preaching about it. But you ought to talk about him. He ought to be the discussion in your home. He ought to be the discussion in your marriage. You say, Pastor, I'd be embarrassed to talk about Christ at home. Okay, then in just a few minutes when we give the invitation, come forward and get saved. And then start talking about the Lord. Did you know, listen to this. You say, Pastor, what's the big deal? Did you know when you simply talk about the Lord, the Holy Spirit is able to use that discussion to do supernatural things. Can I show you? Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Now, we're, talk, we're not talking about preaching. We're just talking about discussion. We're talking about talking, just general conversation here. But look what happens in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. This is what we call the Emmaus Road experience. And Luke 24, verse 27, this is after the crucifixion of Christ. The Bible says in Luke 24, verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, he expounded unto them in, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I want you to understand something. They're walking. They're not in a church service. They're walking. And as they're walking along the way, they run into the Lord Jesus and they don't realize it. And you know what Jesus is doing? He's talking to them. And look at verse 28. And they do not unto the village, so they got where they were going. They do not unto the village whither they went. And, and he made, Jesus, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him. Saying, abide with us. First toward evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. Look at verse 31. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Now look at verse 32. The Bible says, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Listen, all he was doing was talking to them and yet the Bible says their heart burned. Then we're talking about creating a gospel climate in your home. Hey, listen, are you talking about Jesus in your homes? Man, talk about the Lord. Talk about the way you say, Pastor, they, they, all they said was, what's the weather? Well, put the Lord in there somewhere. I wonder what the Lord's gonna give us today. Wake up in the morning, it's pouring down rain. Oh my word, there's rain again. Well, honey, you know what? If the Lord knows we need rain, we need rain. And God knows what we need. And listen, talk about the Lord in your home. How about, how about this? Number two, how about this? Sing about the Lord in your home. 
Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now listen, Wednesday night, we studied the devil. And I'm gonna tell you what, we had a time Wednesday night. We studied the devil. And one of the things we learned about the devil on Wednesday night is this. He is musically created. The devil knows music. And he knows how to use it. And one of the things we learned on Wednesday night is that, the, that music has power. So I would, ask you, I would ask you today, what kind of music are you listening to in your home? You say, preacher, quit meddling. Listen, friend, you call it what you want. But I'm, I'm just, but I believe this. I believe that music has power. And if, if, if all we're doing, if all we're doing is listening to music that promotes adultery and immorality and cursing and profanity and, and killing cops and, and, and all these other things, don't be surprised when your kids follow that path. Because music has power. We're talking about making a gospel climb in your home. Talk about the Lord in your home. Sing about the Lord in your home. How about this? You're gonna, you're gonna think this is funny, but listen to this. Use decorations that remind you of the Lord in your home. Now, I had you turn to Deuteronomy 6 a while ago, but I'll tell you what let's do. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy, but this time turn to Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. And look at verse number 18 with me. Deuteronomy 11. And verse number 18. We're talking about creating a gospel climate in your home. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. The Lord said, therefore shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontless between your eyes. Verse 19, and ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Look at verse 20, and thou shalt write them upon the, the, the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates. You know what? Listen, talk about the Lord, sing about the Lord, decorate about the Lord. Decorate about the Lord. I'm talking about making a gospel climb in your home. Boy, I'm so thankful that I had a mom and a dad who created a gospel climate. Listen, understand something. It's not until you hear the gospel that you understand your need for a savior. Boy, thank God I had a mom and dad who created that gospel climate in our home. And when I heard the gospel, I saw my need of coming to Jesus. Hey, you know what? One of the things my mom did, it may still be there to this day. I don't know. But at the very front door of our house, the front door of our house was posted Joshua 24, 15. And mama had a plaque right there at the front door. And this is what it said. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, you know what? As a kid, I didn't understand all that. But I understood this. Every time I walked in the door, I'd see that scripture. And that scripture reminded me of the Lord. And so talk about the Lord in your house. Sing about the Lord in your house. Use decorations that remind you of the Lord. How about this? How about this? Conduct a family altar that reminds you of the Lord in your home. Listen, conduct a family altar that reminds you of the Lord in your home. Now, what? look, look right here. Listen to me. I'm telling you, I promise you this. Satan will do anything he can 
to try to take away from this service. Because that's just how he is. And the last thing in the world he wants is for us to have a godly home. And so we're talking about creating that climate, that gospel climate in your home. Conduct a family altar in your home that creates that gospel climate. You say, preacher, I don't even understand what that is. Family altar? Am I supposed to like build some kind of an altar? That's what I'm talking about. You know what a family altar is? A family altar is just you taking a little time at some point through the day or maybe before you go to bed at night or the kids go to sleep. This is how we used to do it. I'm not saying this is the way to do it. I'm just saying this is how we used to do it. When our kids were still at home, my wife and I would usually meet in the boys' room and Hannah would come into the boys' room. Boys had bunk beds and they'd be in their beds. Hannah would usually be down there by us. Tammy and I would usually... Uh, kneel down beside the boys' beds there. You know what we'd do? I would take a few moments and I'd read the scripture. I'd just read some scripture. I might tell a Bible story. I might tell them about the story of David and Goliath. I might tell them about how Jesus fed the, fed the 5,000. And I'd read a scripture and then I'd say to the kids, hey kids, do y'all have any prayer requests? Any prayer requests? Now you know when they're little, you know what they're gonna say, don't you? Yeah, daddy. Pray for that puppy. Pray, pray for the puppy, you know. The, that little puppy's having trouble. Now, wait a minute now. You know what? To a kid, that's an important prayer request. So we didn't slam that and say, we don't pray about puppies here, son. You know, listen, it wasn't preaching time. We just said, listen, we read some scripture and we said, listen, do you have anything you'd like to pray about? And here's the thing. If you ask your kids if they have something they want to pray about, you might be amazed at the answer you'll get. And so our kids would say, yeah, daddy, let's, let's pray for so-and-so in the church or let's pray about this situation. And we would take a little time and we would pray. And then that was it. That was it. And we'd go to bed. Now, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't long. But you know what it did? It, it, it helped create a gospel climate in our house. And our kids knew the Lord's important. Jesus is important. And it said to our kids, listen, we didn't preach, but it said to our kids, listen, you need to put Jesus in the center of everything that you do. And so number one, make your home a, make sure your home has a gospel climate too. uh, Number two, quickly, make sure your schedule is gospel centered. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first your job and bank account and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm sorry, I, I misread that. I apologize. But seek ye first the NFL and his righteousness. No, I'm sorry. I need to have these glasses changed. I apologize. But seek ye first your bank account and Wells Fargo and. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these other things that we're so concerned about will be added unto you. How about Colossians 3 verse 1? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Listen, how many know this? We are so busy. We are so busy. Our schedule doesn't even allow for Jesus anymore. Come on now, church. You know I'm telling you the truth. Now, you're here this morning, and I'm thankful for that, and I applaud you, but I'm just telling you, we're living in a world 
that has scheduled Christ right out of the schedule. Man, he used to be at least a spoke in the wheel. He's no longer even in the wheel anymore, friend. He ought not be a spoke in the wheel. He ought to be the hub of everything we do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. A recent research said it like this. Did you know that only about one in three millennials say they attend religious services at least once or twice a month? Roughly two-thirds of millennials, 64%, attend worship services. By the way, that's 20-something, 30-something-year-olds. 64% attend worship services a few times a year or less, including about four in 10 who say they never, never go. We've got a problem. I don't have to tell you that. You, You know that's the case. We've got a problem. And the problem is this. We're not coming to the house of God like we ought to come to the house of God. Now listen to me. We're going to be done here in just a moment. Listen, you know what's really, really sad? Do you know why so few are coming to Christ? Listen now. Remember what I said when I started? It is vital that we share the gospel because when you share the gospel, people realize their need for a Savior. Do you understand why so few are coming to Jesus? Because so few are hearing the gospel. You know what's really, really sad? We have kids that supposedly are in Christian homes that are lost and on their way to hell because they hear the gospel so little. And somebody said, somebody said this, that without conviction, there is no conversion. Now, Listen, church, in a nutshell, you know what I'm saying? Have your kids under the preaching of the gospel every chance you get. Especially in this world we're living in today. I mean, just filth and degradation and drug addiction and alcoholism and immorality. And I mean, it is just, it is, listen, it's, hey, mom and dad, it was bad when we were coming up, but it's worse now. It's worse. And our kids today are coming up in a cesspool. And so it is, it is vital. Listen to me. I don't, I don't know if you're getting this or not. It is vital that we get them under the preaching of the gospel. Make sure your home has a gospel climate. Make sure your schedule is gospel-centered. We're done. Number three, make sure your witness is gospel-conditioned. Be ready at all times to share the gospel with those who want to hear. And what's that mean? That means memorize the Romans road. That means before you leave today, Get some of these. We got thousands on the way. And get you a pocket full of gospel tracts and put some in your purse and put some in your wallet and put some in your pocket. And you know what? When the Holy Spirit leads you, pull out a gospel tract and say, hey, sir, can I give you something? Hey, can I give you? Hey, I'm from Calvary Baptist Church. Can I give you something? Now, you say, preacher, that's nothing. Hey, that's the gospel. That's what that is. And when you share the gospel, that gospel can show them their need of a Savior. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We're done. You can close your Bibles, we're done. But I close with this. The gospel has the power to change a life forever. Listen to this story. During the 1840s, 
in the Fiji Islands of the Pacific, a man, a man was worth $7. A man was worth $7 in the Fiji Islands. Basically, back in this day and time, a man could be, could be traded for a musket, which was the, the gun that they used back in that day. He could be traded for a musket. And they said this, that after you bought him for $7, you could starve him, you could work him to death, you could whip him, or you could eat him. And in that part of the world, I know that's atrocious to us, but in that part of the world, cannibalism was very, very popular. If you visited the Fiji Islands 40 years later, you could not buy a man for $7 million. You say, preacher, what made the difference? I'll tell you what made the difference. Missionaries came to the Fiji Islands and they began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1,200 chapels were scattered across those islands and they said this, that people had fallen under the spell of the love of God. The gospel changes lives. Longfellow could take a worthless sheet of paper, write a poem on it, and make it worth $6,000. That's genius. Rockefeller could sign his name to a piece of paper, make it worth millions. That's capital. Uncle Sam can take gold and stamp an eagle on it and make it worth $20. That's money. A mechanic can take material that's worth only $5 and make it worth $50. That's skill. An artist can take a 50-cent piece of canvas and paint a picture on it and make it worth $1,000. That's art. But God, and only God, can take a sinful life and wash it in the blood of Jesus Christ and put his Holy Spirit inside of it and make it a blessing to humanity. My dear friend, that is salvation. And that makes the difference. The gospel. The gospel. Hey, mama, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Promote the gospel to your kids. Bring the conversation back to Jesus somehow. Include the Lord in your talk. Let them hear you singing about Jesus. Have a family altar that reminds you of Christ. Why? Because when people are exposed to the gospel, they see their need of a Savior. Would you bow your heads with us this morning? Father, we thank you for your blessings. And thank you for the privilege to be at Calvary today. And Father, thank you for the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I'm concerned. I'm burdened. It seems like so few and so few kids. Lord, they're, they're exposed so little to the gospel. Lord, I don't know if they'll ever be reminded of their need of a Savior. Father, I pray today that you would have your way in this invitation. Lord, it could be there's someone here this morning that needs to respond to the gospel message that Jesus died, and he died to pay for their sin. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross so that they could be born again. They put him in a grave, a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he came out of that grave. He is alive, a resurrected Savior, the perfect Son of God, the only Son of God, and he did all of that to save us from our sin. God, maybe there's someone here today that needs to respond to that message. So I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. 
And we thank you for it. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. A few questions. How many are here this morning would say, Pastor, without anybody looking, just for a moment, our heads are bowed. How many here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died, I mean, if I died right now, if I died right here in my seat, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, I know, Pastor, that I've been born again. I can take you back to the time and the place. I know that I'm saved. And I'm on my way to heaven. If that's you, you just slip your hand up as a testimony of that profession. I know that I am saved. Wonderful, wonderful. I saw many, many hands, but I can't see everybody. So can I ask this question? How many are here today would say, Pastor, in all honesty, I could not raise my hand. And if I died right here where I'm seated at, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray for me. Pastor, I'm not sure of heaven, but I care enough to slip up my hand and let you remember me in prayer. Preacher, would you pray for me? Without anybody looking, right now, you'd just slip your hand up right now. You'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? If I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up. Is there anybody like that? I can pray for you. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh, preacher, I want to go. I'm just not sure we'd go to heaven. Would you remember me? Is there anybody? If there is, just raise it up and sort of wave it at me so I don't miss you. Anybody at all? I see one hand. Is there another? I see another hand. Is there another? Anybody else before I pray? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you just remember me? Anybody? I'm not going to come back and embarrass you. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I just want to pray for you. Preacher, pray for me. Anybody else? Before I pray, anybody else? I want to get you in on this prayer. All right? Let me ask you this. If you died right now, are you ready to stand before the Lord? Oh, you said, Pastor, I just raised my hand about being saved. Okay. But I'm just asking this. If you had to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right this very moment, could you stand before him with confidence, knowing that you've lived for him and you're living for him? So I wonder if there might be those here today who would say, Pastor, I really need to rededicate my life to Jesus. And I want you to pray for me. I am saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you just slip your hand up very quickly. Just slip it up. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Preacher, God bless you. God bless you. Who else? Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I know I do. All right, I'm gonna pray for these. Let me ask you something. We're gonna, be, we're gonna, be, we're gonna pray. Does your home right now have a gospel climate? Is Jesus a part of your discussion? Is he a part of your talk? Are you talking about the Lord? Are you singing about the Lord? Is your home centered around Christ? If that's not the case, you know what would be a great idea? 
If it's some, if some dads and moms just, just took each other by the hand and came down to this altar today and said, Lord, on this Mother's Day, we're going to dedicate our home to Jesus. We want to have a gospel-centered home. And so we're going to invite you in just a moment to do that, to come and dedicate your home to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do me a big favor? Would you stand with us this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and our personal workers are already making their way into the altar. We have some folks up here with a Bible in the altar. And if you're here today and you said, Pastor, I'm not sure of heaven. Listen, if you'll come, we'd like to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. And so I hope that you'll come. I hope you'll come today. Father, I thank you for your blessings. And I thank you for the privilege of being at Calvary today. Father, I pray somehow that you might bring the increase from what was taught, what was preached. Father, help us to have homes that promote the gospel, that sing of the gospel, that speak of the gospel. God, may our kids, may our boys and girls grow up under that gospel climate, Lord, where they see their need of a Savior, not of good works, not of necessarily being a good citizen, but Lord, understanding that they must come by way of the cross. And so Father, today I pray that you'd work in the hearts, help those that need to rededicate their lives to Jesus. I pray that they'll come. Lord, I pray they'll come. And let somebody just pray with them in the, just in the privacy of the altar here this morning. God, I pray that moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas might come to the altar and dedicate their homes to the, to the Lord. And, and pray this prayer, oh God, give us a godly home. Give us a Christian home. God, give us a Christian home. Father, have your way in this invitation, please. And speak to hearts, I pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. While Brother Abel plays, just for a moment, if you need to come, the altars are open. Would you come? Would you come right now? Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you come? That's right. That's right. Would you come right now? Folks are coming. How about you? How about you? Hey, Mom and Dad, isn't it about time? How much longer are you going to wait to make your home a Christian home? When you say, Pastor, just I'm, I'm going to wait till my kids are a little older. Listen, if you wait till your kids are older, you might lose them. Man, we've got no time to waste. While we pause just for a moment. Anybody else need to make a move today? Would you come? Father, I'm thankful for your blessings. God, I'm thankful for what you're doing. I don't know all that you're doing right now. But I know you've got a perfect plan. Father, I do know this. If we don't get back to some godly Christian homes, America doesn't have a prayer. We're going to have to have some mamas and daddies and some grandmas and grandpas whose kids won't do it. But Lord, some grandmas and grandpas that arise to the occasion and say, I'm going to do my best to point my claim to the Lord. I'm going to talk about him. 
I'm going to sing about him. We're going to have a gospel-centered home. Father, I pray that you continue to work in hearts. I pray you bring the increase from this. And we pray that Jesus receive the glory from it all. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Is there anybody else that needs to make a move? Folks are getting some help. Anybody else while we wait? You can look up this way. We're going to sing this little chorus before we go that just simply says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And we're going to sing it. And if you need to come, listen, the altars are open. You come today. We'll be glad to help you and pray with you if you need to come. All right? Let's sing it together. Here we go. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to sing it again. If you need to come, the altars are open. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to on playing there, Brother Abel, if you will. We're going to let you out of here. I know you, I know you got things to do. I, I, I get all that. You know, I'm so thankful. My mom and dad may be watching right now. I can remember my friends coming over to our house in the summertime when school was out. And I can remember my friends saying, there's something different about your house. There's something different about your house. One of my friends came over one time who got under conviction and got saved at our house. And he said, you know, when I come to your house, he said, I hear gospel music playing. When I come to your house, he said, your mom and dad act like they're in love. He said, I don't hear fighting and fussing. And he said, it's, there's something different here. I just, I'm not, a, I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. I'm just an under shepherd. That's all I am. He is the chief shepherd. I'm just an under shepherd. But I just can feel it in my soul. Some of you dads right now are saying, Lord, I wish I had that. I wish I had a godly home. Hey, Dad, it's up to you. You got to start it. You need to start it. You say, Pastor, I wish I could, but I've got some things in my life. I've got some chains. I've got some burdens. Okay. May I introduce you to the chain breaker? May I introduce you to the one who the Bible says is able to pull down those strongholds who can take you out of the mire and put you in the choir, who can change your home, change your life, change your testimony, and yes, change your future. 
And Dad, you're just going to have to make a decision today. Well, he's right. I didn't even like the way he preached, but he's right. But we need some mamas. Happy Mother's Day, all you mothers. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Boy, the power and the influence of a mom. Hey, mom, you're going to have to point your kids to Jesus. Man, I'm done. Come on up, Brandon, I'm done.